Welcome to the Mike on Much podcast. I am your host, Mike Veerman, and I am here with my friend and trusted producer, Max Kerman, but not here physically because for the second week in a row, Max is actually uh, still on the road. Max, where are you right now in the world? Uh, I am in, actually, I'm in Ontario, Ontario, Oregon. <laughs> oh. But uh, yeah, we have a day off today. We played, uh, actually, we played Salt Lake City for the, uh, the second time ever in our career last night. And uh, gotta say, my worst, uh, my least favorite city in America, <laughs> I think. <laughs> I like that you're just coming, you're just being very blunt. What, what makes it your least favorite? How did the show go? Okay, well, I'll tell you this. The people at the show were very nice, and I, we're grateful when anybody shows up to an Arkell show. So I want to get that out of the way with first, so that the people could not have been nicer. Uh, I met a bunch after the show. People had Some people drove from Idaho. It was a small crowd, uh, but some, some people drove from Idaho. Some people drove from Provo, which is uh, where BYU University is. So those, those people were all very nice. But it was just kind of a very weird... It's a very strange place because it's it's very regulated, uh, you know, by the rule of the Mormons in that church, and you really feel it. You know, they at bars uh, apparently they they don't serve any uh, alcohol on tap that's more than three point two percent alcohol. Did you know that? I didn't, but you could drink all night on that. Yeah, yeah, really. Yeah, that's that's what. Yeah, no one's hung over there. It's actually <laughs> quite smart. Um, but uh, um, and the, and and the natural beauty around the the around the city is, is really impressive. You know that you're just kind of in the mountains, but the city itself is like sort of very suburban. You know, we we're just kind of walking around, and I met up with the guys uh, after the show um, to get some Cajun food. They found the one place that was open. Um, and it was a Monday night, and I walked. It was about a kilometer away, so I walked, you know, 15 minutes ago. And um, I get to the to the bar, and I realized that I didn't have my driver's license with me because I left them in my gym shorts. So I give the guy my health card, and he says it's not good enough. And I'm just like, really? Like the bar is basically empty. I'm joining that table over there. We're all like roughly around the age of 30. <laughs> And I was not allowed in the <laughs> place. And, and I, it was really interesting because I almost was going to start throwing stuff. You know, I'm pretty mild-mannered, Mike. Absolutely. I, you don't throw a lot of tantrums, Max. No. And, you know, um, I, uh, I'm typically, like, pretty understanding when it comes to people in the service industry. I like to think that, like, I treat wait, waiters and bartenders, like, pretty nicely. Well, as a former Eastside Mario's employee, you have, you have to have empathy. Exactly. No, I, I know how hard these people work, and I know they don't necessarily make the rules. But I was going to lose my shit. And it, it's just kind of funny when you <laughs> when you put yourself in – and that's why, generally speaking, I have some sympathy when people turn into total maniac assholes, like, in a public setting. <laughs> because I just remember – Though, like the times that I've been there, and you just like, kind of lose control. And then, uh, so, so I was like, F- this, cancel my, me-. actually, because I called ahead to, so I could catch up with the guys, because their food was going to be coming soon, too. So I called ahead and put an order in, so because I was going to be there in 10 minutes. <laughs> That's a very max like uh, life hack move, by the way. <laughs> um, and uh, um, I was like, cancel my meal. I'm not giving you the business. And I kind of like stormed out. And like, I had to walk another probably. 30 minutes just to find like some Mexican food that I ate by myself. <laughs> uh, but, the, but then also the, uh, the, the streets are kind of totally empty. And this guy who's also walking down across the street, he just sort of stops when he sees me and keep in mind, I'm probably like 40, uh, 40 meters away from this guy. And he just like pulls out his phone and takes a photo of me in the dark with the flash on. 
It was so weird. Why do you think he did that? I have no idea. I don't know. Was he at the show earlier? No, no, no. This is a random person like an hour after the show was finished. So, and, and it wasn't anywhere near the venue. It was just like a random guy taking me a photo. So anyway, I, I'm kind of spooked out by Salt Lake City. It's fine. People have bad experiences in places. Okay. So anyway, um, moving forward, we have uh, a few more shows left and then, well, then I'll be home and I miss you guys. Yeah, we miss you. I, all this stuff's been going on back home. We've been having a lot of fun, but you know, you're out, you're doing your thing. Hey, I, I'm, but I'm curious. I missed um, the big move in to your new place. And I, you know, our listeners should know, you know, in our, in the Champagne Boys group, you know, there's, there's a roughly 15, 20 of us. And whenever anybody moves, it usually turns into a party, which is kind of fun because everybody, <laughs> everybody chips in the people, whoever's moving buys people, the pizza and the beer. How did it work though for you? Because Danica has her whole crew and she's like, not exactly the drunken fool that the rest of us are. So how did it go? Uh, so we, we kind of moved in over the course of like the Thursday and the Friday, just kind of ourselves. Danica's family was amazingly helpful. Her sisters did so like, were like washing walls. Like they were making the house look amazing, which was really impressive. And then, so, and all the champagne boys were kind of like, when can we help? And I was like, actually like, there's just not a ton of stuff. We kind of had it covered. So then on the Saturday, the house was kind of set up at least like 75% set up and Danica was having some of her girlfriends over and I was like, well, all the guys are curling down the street here in Hamilton, but I think they might come by after for some drinks. Like, what do you think? She's like, absolutely. Tell them all to come by. That turned into a complete uh, boozy buffoons oh. great nights. <laughs> uh, so yeah. So, so they didn't, so they didn't help with the move, but they did help with the, the drinking. Part yeah. They did the, not help the with the move, but they uh, drank all my beer, which again is fine. Cause it, I've certainly done that to all of them at different points in my life. So I have no problem with that. And I, I kind of lose time at the end of the night, but the, apparently everyone went to like the bar on the corner and I was kind of sleeping on the couch, but it was a great time all around and you were missed. Uh, well, okay. Well, I can't wait to see the place. Hey, also in other champagne boys related news, um, at the show in Chicago, we had, uh, a couple days ago, I was you know, just talking to some, some people were that were the show that came to see the band and this girl, she's probably, I don't know, I gotta say like 18 years old. Um, she comes, she comes up to me and she just goes, we need to get the nut on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, hold on a second. What the hell did you just say? <laughs> and I was like, where are you from? And she's like from somewhere like in Illinois or something. She listens to the show. So I'm probably getting that wrong. Maybe Indiana, but super nice. And she's like, yeah. I was like, can, can you say that again? I'm going to film you. So I filmed her saying, we need to get the nut on the show. And then I said, what show? And she said, the Mike on Much podcast. So guys, our audience is growing. I sent the video to the nut and he was so happy. He said, please post this to uh, the Mike on Much Instagram account. I think we'll do that. Uh, because, uh, you know, we, we need to celebrate little victories like this, you know, our growing audience in America, we're taking over. Yeah. And I think that it's a good idea to have the nut on the podcast. So whenever he does come on this podcast to maybe defend himself against maybe past accusations by Shane and whatnot, uh, we will promote that episode with that video. Yeah, exactly. Okay, good. I'm very excited for that. So that's great. All right, but Max, this is a big show because our guest today is uh, a really big star. I mean, it's Backstreet Boy, Nick Carter. I know. We're, when we found out that we were going to get to interview him, it was, I was very excited. I think on a certain level, he is more recognizable as a name and as a face than a lot of other people we've had on the show. Nick Carter and the Backstreet Boys were literally the biggest thing on planet Earth for like a good two, three-year window there in the, in the 90s, early 2000s. Well, and because of that, because this guy's been you know, famous essentially since he was like 14 years old, 
he's had a pretty interesting sort of life. And I think that those are the sort of things that we wanted to talk about when we sat down with him. And I mean, for people that, that don't know, this one was actually filmed because it was Nick Carter and is a big, he's a big star. Um, we actually filmed this one. So it was kind of different. Uh, but what you're hearing is sort of the audio recording of what we did. Yeah. You know what? Um, so this is sort of like some inside baseball information for our listeners. Um, oftentimes when we are interviewing a very famous person and I, and I throw Nick Carter into that category, you know, the publicist will say, please don't talk about this, this or this. And, and Nick had some, his publicist had some requests that, you know, with some subjects that we don't go into. This is no different than when we interviewed David Arquette. This is no different than we interviewed a number of other people who just had requests that, you know, there's certain things that are off limits. Josh Groban was one of them. Josh Groban. Yeah. Another one. And we, and, and we generally respect, you know, those wishes and we want to be sort of affable hosts and we want people to, to feel good about coming onto the show. But I am kind of excited sometimes when, you know, when they bring up something that, uh, that was off limits. Cause Arquette referenced his wife and I don't think we were supposed to talk his ex-wife. Yeah. Was there anything that, was there anything that Carter brought up that you're like, Oh, okay. I'm surprised he mentioned that. Well, I guess he'd been, he'd gotten in some trouble in uh, Florida. He got in a bar fight or something. So, you know, they were just like, let's not go into that incident specifically or any sort of past substance things. So we're like, all right. But I mean, we were talking about his new album and a lot of the subject matter, if you listen to the album, which we did in research, is about like partying in Tijuana or, you know, getting crazy. And there's a lot of that sort of content. So, you know, we wanted to sort of ask, you know, are you writing from personal experience? You know, and specifically in this situation, if you're someone that doesn't really want to talk about these things, but then you sort of put it in your music, we're going to end up coming around to it. So. We kind of went down that road a little bit, and then, you know, we... He, yeah, when you have a song called Tijuana, you're kind of asking for it, right? <laughs> <laughs> I think so. I mean, but, you know, he kind of got out of it. We, we got into some of the sort of the, the, the minutia of growing up in one of the biggest bands in the world and sort of what he learned out of that. The one question I wanted to ask him that I didn't get to ask him was, if you had to be stuck on a desert island with one other Backstreet Boy, which Backstreet Boy would you choose? And I, didn't get, I didn't get to ask him. That. Yeah, uh, man, that would have been amazing. Should we just guess before we get to the interview? Who do you think you'd go with? Oh, good question. Okay, this is what I'd say. Not knowing any of these guys personally or really knowing much about the Backstreet Boys, I don't think he'd go with Howie. Too small, you know. <laughs> I think you, you you want someone who's like maybe a little bit more muscular. You're gonna help build the 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 shelter. Yeah, AJ. I think he'd be like you know he'd start freaking out pretty quickly. I don't know, he might try to you know attack me or something. So I wouldn't go with AJ. <laughs> um, you know, I think I think it comes down to Brian or Kevin, and I think I'm gonna go with Kevin. Brian is a little too much of a pretty boy. I think Kevin would would be the most helpful. You're, you're picking him based on physical stature, aren't you? Yeah, and my general vibe I get from them uh, based on like what 14-year-old Max thought of the Backstreet Boys. <laughs> yes. So really, this isn't about who Nick Carter would pick. Max would pick Kevin if he ha- if he got stuck on a desert island. Yeah, but as Nick's advisor, that's what I would say. Hey, Nick, you should get Kevin All right. to, to join you on the island. Who would you choose? Uh, I, I, you, you made a very good argument. <laughs> I, would, I would go with Kevin. I think he'd be able to do the most work. We'd be able to build a hut think he could like maybe kill an animal or something so we could survive oh yeah big time all right let's get to nick carter i always wonder do they put these posters in like because they know someone's coming did you notice the nick carter yeah, poster I that. <laughs> oh that's staying now absolutely. Oh, you're, so you're gonna funny. have to sign it on the way out. <laughs> that means we're starting start it all right so you have a record a new record all american yes you're doing press you're touring 
having already accomplished so much in music, I mean, what motivates you to get back on the grind, sort of produce new music, get on the road? I, I think um, every time I, I start a new project, uh, it's, it's an opportunity for me to uh, try something new. Um, you know, whether it's uh, a different sound or um, just a new experience that, that can teach me something. You know, so what motivates me um, is just that unknown, you know, what's going to happen when I when I jump in, you know, and, and try it and, and do it and actually... So, I mean, things like that. I, I enjoy, as a solo artist, being able to, um, uh, being able to perform that music um, because it's a little different than what I do with Backstreet Boys. Uh, it has more of a rock-inspired feel to it, uh, and I enjoy performing that way. I mean, creating your own music, having your own record, sort of being the, the sole creative voice. You've worked with so many people over the mm-hmm. years, someone like Max Martin, who's sort of this like hit-making genius. Right. How does like uh, uh, the writing process with someone like Max Martin work, meaning like you know melody, lyrics, production, and then how do you sort of incorporate that into what you're creating with All American? Um, well, I, I'd like to say that most of the producers and, and writers that I've worked with or been associated with in the past have you know, rubbed off on me in a lot of ways. I mean, it just goes with anything, you know, and anybody. Um, if you spend enough time around them, they kind of uh, become a part of you. So um, there are certain principles and value, values that uh, and things that I stand for when I when I write music and, and I try to apply um, and I take that from all those writers and producers um, and then kind of put my own little twist on it and like the one thing is that I'm, I'm never I'm always learning on the job so to speak right. so every time I try something new I might not be the greatest at it I might not be the greatest writer um, but I do see a progression that has happened from my first album um, to the second solo album, to this latest solo, solo album. And I think even more just a direction and where I want to go and how I want to be perceived and just as a solo artist goes. Right. I'm always interested when I talk to <clears throat> you know songwriters or people that are creating sort of art or music, you know, the subject matter of your songs, right? It's like you're going to draw either from personal experience or maybe you're telling a story about somebody else. Have you ever taking a step back and go, you know what, I actually don't want to put that in a song because it reflects on me? Or do you go, no, shit, I'm an artist and I'm going to put that in my music? Um, Usually I don't put barriers on anything that I write or talk (laughs) about, which sometimes gets me in trouble. Um, Especially, you know, coming from a boy band and coming from, you know, in the very beginning when things were kind of regulated. um, I think that's why a lot of uh, probably people enjoy um, our fans enjoy what we do individually because we don't hold back and and we kind of say what we want to say um so yeah like i i and also too like it's entertainment you know sometimes like a perfect example on this new record there uh, there's a song called tijuana that i wrote and i wrote it because i've had obviously i've had bar experiences i've had things that have happened and and, you know, everyone's kind of partied and done their thing. And, like, I'm like, well, obviously I've had my a couple of experiences that I can put into this song. But at the same time, you know, just like writing a movie or whatever, I, I, I'm going to make up a lot of it, you know. 
And uh, and so I was able to uh, play with that song. So and, some artistic license, but then also some personal Yeah, I experience. mean, exactly. I mean, everybody's going to put a little bit of what they've their experiences into anything that they're writing and kind of use it uh, um, to, to help out with the what they're trying to achieve. And that song, it's just, it's just a riot. It's a great, it's a fun song. And that's and that, like one of the things in this entire album that I wanted to focus on was I wanted to create an album that that was almost like some of the songs I wanted it to be as if you were watching like a Seth Rogen movie or something sure. like that, you know? And that's kind of like if you listen to Tijuana, it has like a little bit of um, like the hangover type Absolutely. vibe to the song, you know? So... Uh, but then the album in its entirety, I, I wanted it to almost be like, almost like a musical. It's like a rock musical, like a pop rock musical. Yep. And so it has a little bit of that, you know, it goes in and, in and out. And, but the stories are so rich on this record, which I'm, I'm happy with. Mm-hmm. I'm happy that they are, they're deeper, not just like, and I think maybe that's just because I've gotten older and I've started to realize what I want to be as a writer. And then also some of the things that I've experienced in my life, such as, you know, creating movies, you know, this is helping me as a writer as well, as a, as a musician. So it's all those things that kind of come, come together. What do you listen to? Very strange. Uh, I like, <laughs> like literally this, it's the weirdest thing. Like last night I, I was on the bus with my, uh, with my bodyguard and, and, uh, some of my, um, band guys. And, um, like I was listening before the show to Slipknot. <laughs> Uh, and then, and then right before that, I was listening to Genesis. Okay, you know, and then before that, I was listening to Fifty Cent's new song. So you jump all over the place. Yeah, I can't like choose one thing. You know, I, I, I guess that's just kind of like who I am. I've been, I've been influenced by so many things, um, and I don't, I don't, I'm not ashamed of that. You know, and so that's why sometimes it's actually hard for to rein it all in sure. when I am, you know, focused on. Okay, what do I want to do as a solo artist? I, I, you know, like because a lot of people, well, in the past, I think people weren't so open. Nowadays, it's changing a little bit. People enjoy variety, so it's it's an interesting time. Um, you've had life experiences that only like a handful of people can maybe sort of relate to. When you think about your career as a whole, like what moments or things stand out the most to you? Um, I, you know, like. Uh, Probably like recently, the Dancing with the Stars moment was pretty uh, crazy for me because um, it was just so much work. It, it it took so much out of me and, and required so much. And I'm I'm such a perfectionist, and when I commit to something, I want to be the best at it. And um, you know, I think that uh, that was that was a standout moment for me, getting that far. Um. um uh, you know, p- moments like meeting the guys for the first time in my band, you know, in Backstreet Boys, you know, starting that whole pro- process, you know, thinking. It was so funny. I was talking to someone on the way back here or on the way over here, and I'm, I said, you know, wow, I, I'm actually really surprised at how many, because we were talking about an, uh, another boy band that actually didn't really make it. Sure. You know, and it's, it's amazing how many people don't actually get this far and and I'm so appreciative and you know uh, just happy and and grateful that I am where I am right now so um it's just I don't know why they got off on that tangent but I just I just think it's it's interesting how you know how you get to where you're at 
Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> speaking of you know the Backstreet Boys and that longevity, I mean, you're so successful at such an early age. Were there times when you thought like, well, man, like I've done it all and I'm still only 19 years old. Like what's next? Did you have like a reflective moment? I mean, it's hard to, to pick like the moments um, that when you're in that in that moment. I mean, when I'm 19, when I was 19 years old, I, I just was I was conflicted in a lot of ways. You know, I, I wanted to be a teenager and I wanted to enjoy, you know, what everybody else was in, in high school or what or college or whatever. I wanted to do the same things and I couldn't, you know, so um, I was definitely conflicted at that time and I had you know, we were releasing Millennium for the first time yeah. and, and all these huge songs like I Want It That Way and Lars in Life and there was a lot of responsibilities that I had um, at that time. So, you know, it's hard to to reflect. Be- well, now that I reflect back, actually, and I see it, I see now how hard it was actually for me because it was like two separate lives. Like I would come off the road, I'd be doing all these extraordinary things and then I'd come off the road and try to be normal. A normal 19 year old hanging away And, and, and it wasn't working yeah. for me. So um, I, I think I had to come to a point in my life where I had to accept that I, I was just different and I, it wasn't going to be normal uh, to a lot of, in a lot of ways. Um, but that becomes the, normal though for you, But right? it becomes normalcy, yes, exactly. So... Um, being in the public eye for more than 20 years, um, what parts of celebrity do you find difficult or wish you could change? Um, I mean, I've become used to it now, so it's become a part of me. Like I said, uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't change anything now. I mean, I've found my sort of rhythm, you know, like my beat. Right. Um, and you're comfortable I'm, in this I'm, I found a good spot. Yeah, yeah, I found a good place. And um, that took a long time to get here. And that, <laughs> all that confliction that I actually had when I was 19 years old, um, you know, was a problem for me. It was hard and, and to get to this point. So, I, you know, I wouldn't change anything. Sure. On the other side, I mean, what's the best part about being famous? That's what people always want to know. Um, you know, there's... Um, uh, the, I mean, the good side about being famous is that you can actually do something positive with it. You know, it, you know, when you have time and when you can do it, you know, one of the things is giving back in any sort of way. In a lot of ways, I, I try to look at what I'm doing from the positive side of things of saying that, okay, well, if someone comes to my show or they come to a Backstreet Boys show, they're escaping from their reality for, you know, that whatever moment it is and... And I'm, my job is to entertain them, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and so uh, in a lot of ways, that's uh, maybe I'm justifying that it's a certain point of giving back. Obviously, this, the humanitarian type of things that, you know, I'm actually going to do a lot more of, uh, especially when I get some more time and um, my baby comes. So. Yeah. Speaking of that, you're going to be a father. Yeah. Which is pretty exciting stuff. It's, uh, it's out, out, out of this world. It's still hard to believe. Congrats. Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, um, I think... <laughs> Yeah, I'm excited. I, I I always enjoy experimenting and trying new things. I'm not saying that, I, that my wife was an experimentation. <laughs> what I am saying is that um, the the adventure of sort of fatherhood is something I'm not used to. I'm not, I haven't done it yet. You know what I mean? I'm 36 years old, so obviously I'm getting a little older, and um, you know, I just want to, I want to experience that. I want to try that. Um, and, and it is, it's sort of an adventure and, and that unknown, uh, I don't know, it ex- 
inspires me. Yeah, it's a new frontier. Yeah, I, just, I love it. Um, is it something you always wanted? Thinking back, I didn't want it. No, no, I didn't want it. Um, when I was uh, <laughs> when I was nine, like when I was nineteen, you, you want to go back? When I was nineteen years old, I was like, no, I don't ever want to have a baby. I don't ever want to have a kid. <laughs> but who wants to at nineteen, right? right you right. know, so things change. Um, and uh, you know, you you know, I love my wife. I love um, I love us. I love what we have done. I love what she's helped me do um, as far as uh, support me and help me become the person that I am. I think without her, I would definitely would not be to the point where I'm at right now where I could be doing all these things. So uh, I think experiencing that together is something that is a reward. As your son gets older, he comes to you and he says, Dad, I want to be in showbiz. I want to be an entertainer. What do you say? I don't know. Uh, I'd be quite honest with you. I'm tr- I'm going to try to uh, hide him from it for, for <laughs> quite some. Um, I I don't want to to expose him to what it is and what I am and what I've done um, too early because I, I I want him to make a choice for himself. Obviously, you know, and I don't want to influence that. You know, I so um, I think that. You know, it's going to, I'm going to be very protective to a certain degree, obviously. But at the same time, I think he'll discover later on, you know, what I've done, who I am. And that's going to be amazing and cool when we can talk about that. But I, I, I don't want him to be, I want him to be fascinated with myself and, and my wife um, because we're good parents, sure. not because I was Nick Carter from Backstreet Boys or I'm some superstar. Yeah. So, like, I don't, I don't want to, um, yeah, so, I mean, that's pretty much what it is. Lastly, um, I want to ask, I mean, you know, anyone that wanted to break into showbiz, what advice would you give them? But firstly, what's the best advice you received over the course of your career, whether it's from a peer, one of the guys in the Backstreet Boys, someone older? I mean, what's the, what's the, what's the thing that you took with you that someone told you along the way that helped you? So interesting. Uh, we, I mean, we've said this a lot, um, and maybe you haven't heard it, but uh, one of the temptations, actually, um, when he was, it was the, the lead guy. Otis. Uh, it was Otis, yeah, yeah. That's right. I was really young. Uh, I was about 15. Actually, I was about 13 or 14 at, when I met him, and we were doing this uh, show, and... Uh, uh, Florida, like a, I don't know, like a fair type thing. Sure. We were opening up, and, and so we got a chance to talk to him. And he said, guys, you know, just I got one bit of advice for you guys. You know, be, make sure you're watching your uh, your business, you know, while you're on stage because it's called show and business for a reason. And uh, because you could be on stage uh, performing and doing your show, but your business could be walking away, uh, you know, from you. So it always stuck. Wow. And then you'd impart that on to anyone else getting into the, the industry. I mean, we listened to it, but, you know, some <laughs> business walked away a little Shit bit happens. here and there. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, <laughs> but uh, it just stuck and it rang, you know, because it is, it's a business. Um, and at the same time, you know, you got to learn how to balance it. Yeah. Well, thanks for your time, man. Thank you. We are now in what we like to call the dessert of the episode. Uh, but again, this week, it's just Shane and I because Max is still out on tour. Uh, Shane, we actually just listened to the Nick Carter interview, which you were there for. So you weren't with us at the top of the show. Any thoughts on that whole thing? It was uh, it was surreal. Like, everyone grew up listening to that guy. Uh, well, I guess if you're a guy, you kind of said you didn't. But uh, 
we all did, right? So it was <laughs> it was very very weird to see him in the flesh. As you know, you and I used to watch House of Carters ten years ago. We were obsessed with that show. We'd use it as like our pre drink, like a guilty pleasure or whatever. And then one night, um, uh, his sister was on the show too, uh, Leslie. Yes. And then we, his sister passed away. This is his sister that passed on, but she was on the show. And uh, she she was a, a musician also, so she played a show at Casbah in Hamilton. She had a band, Hamilton. and she yeah, so she was on House of Carters, had a show in Hamilton. I'm like, I'm going to that show. Yeah, went. She got a little bit lit afterwards. Kind of was like Shane and like hanging off me a bit. It was so it was very cool, and I was like, holy shit! I just like partied with a celebrity. And then I found out she died. So it kind of like, I was like, whoa, I knew that girl kind of thing. Yeah. And then to see Nick, who's like obviously the most famous Carter, is very surreal. Like the House of Carters aside, it's just pretty crazy that a superstar like that is right in front of you. Yeah, it is. It's pretty crazy. And we did it. Uh, we were shooting it and you were there. To, like I, I could kind of feel your presence because there was kind of like he had like some people with him. And then we were shooting it for this thing we're doing. And you were kind of behind the scenes taking photos and uh yeah i was snapchatting i uh <laughs> i was hoping you were going to reference me and i kept trying to get the snap when he, when you were like oh my buddy shane's there and then i was but that never happened we did get a photo with you in it though i made sure yes. you got in the photo yes that was very cool uh 73 likes on instagram oh shit yeah that's no joke yeah how, how was it for you is it your most nerve-wracking or is I wouldn't say it's nerve. It was nerve wracking. What it was, was it just took them a long time to get there. Like, so like, you know, we're supposed to do it at a certain time. So we're sitting, let's say you're supposed to do it at two in the afternoon. We were sitting there from like, it, like all of a sudden it's like two thirty two, two thirty three. It's like a half hour later. So, and I'm just kind of sitting there under the bright lights and, and different people kept walking up the steps. So you think it's him. Yeah. And then it's not him. And then he comes and then we just kind of like, it's a Backstreet Boys. Your heart wasn't beating faster for him than other interviews. No, maybe the first like minute and a half when you're talking and then you settle in and then you just kind of forget that it's a sl- it's just like oh it's a dude in front of you more of an asshole you thought or less of one? <laughs> i didn't think he was an asshole at all oh, i thought he was it actually- was kind of a loaded question come to think of <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so other than that shane what's been going on in your world well i just uh bought a house yeah, I had to find out about this on Snapchat. <laughs> you snapped you signing the papers. Well, oh, first, congratulations. Thank you. Uh, th- also, thank you for the help on me moving out of the house, Mike. I'd like to uh, thank you. <laughs> how you sidestepped that. <laughs> you moved out of your apartment in Toronto. You didn't ask me for help. No, it, it was funny because I asked um, John Poplis, our friend. He's like a big six foot five guy. We've talked about him on the pod before. And then I was like, he backed out. I was like, shit. And then you're like, uh, Shane, uh, you didn't ask me to help. I was like, funny, Pops just uh, backed out. And I was wondering, you're like, I'm not a mover anyway, so it's probably best you didn't. I was, <laughs> and, no and, I, and I was like, yeah, because, you know, I really could use it. You're like, yeah, don't worry about it. And I was like, okay. Like, but I did need a little bit of help. But oh, you, man. you are right. You're not like a huge force in the moving industry. Like, <laughs> like you wouldn't be a huge help, but I could have used you. But it's no, I'm not mad at you. This is this is crazy about how two people perceive two different sides of a conversation. I had no idea that you were fishing for help. I didn't, you didn't know that? I swear on my mother, I did not know. I, this is like, that's why it's so funny to hear your side of that. Because I wouldn't in a million years think that you were asking me. Because I figured you'd just ask me outright. Like I was getting there. But you're like, I'm not a mover. And then I was like, okay, f- 
I don't want to like force this guy. No, I don't, no, I wasn't trying to like cut it off at the pass. Like, oh, if I get it out of the way, you know, got to go. Not yeah. at all. If you just been like, hey, man, I need help. I absolutely would have been there. Okay. hundred percent. I did not realize that was what you were doing. I'm not mad. But I was mad when I saw your f***ing house. Mike moved into a mansion no, in Hamilton. <laughs> you, I thought we were all getting, like, starter homes and shit, and I walk into, like, the Playboy mansion. It's crazy. <laughs> like, how much is this pod paying you? <laughs> we were equals, like, two months ago. Here's the thing about Shane. He will ask anybody the price of anything. Like, you'll ask people what they make. You do not care. I like to devalue money, so it has, like, people, like... I don't care how much someone makes. You know what I mean? Um, but I did the very next day, not caring, and we're not competitive at all, but I bought a f-ing house the very next day. It was the first house we saw, actually. Really? Yes. And you just, we want it. I didn't know. Like, I'm buying it with someone else, and I'm I'm impulsive, so I never take my my opinion, like, to heart. But if another person's like, yeah, that's the house, and I'm like, oh, I kind of thought it was the house, too, but I didn't want to seem crazy. So that's what happened, and then... Boom, got a house. How long have you been dating your girlfriend? Almost eight months, yeah. So it's getting a little long in the tooth. It was like <laughs> I was feeling embarrassing to be a little ha- houseless. So, yeah. <laughs> Don't you, aren't you concerned? Uh, eight months is kind of short in the grand scheme of things. Are, For are, Shaney Boy, that's like uh, 10 years. Was there any concern about buying a house with your lady, even though you've only been together for eight months? Not at all. I, like, what happens? Oh, she, let's say... Something bad happens. Boom, sell the house, we make a profit. It seems crazy, but then it's not. And Alex and I are going to, my girlfriend's name's Alex. Yep. We're going to be together forever. Mark my words. What day, what's the date? April 4th, <laughs> Tuesday, April 5th. <laughs> Alex and Shane forever. That's a hashtag. It's happening. Have you seen any good movies lately? <laughs> <laughs> um, that's all I got. Sorry. That's it, and that's all. That is our episode. Uh, Thank you for listening. Please uh, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes if you haven't already. All the artwork for the Michael Much podcast is done by Jenna Gregory from jennasdoodles.com. You can follow us at Mike on Much on Twitter and Instagram. The Michael Much podcast is produced by Max Kerman, and I am your host, Mike Veerman. See you next week if we don't die on the weekend.